Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. people, 70 kids signed up. And many of, uh, many of this number 70 are from, I think, friends and family of Rooftop Church. So good job, you guys. Um, continue to spread the word. Uh, we're roughly about a month uh, and, and a half away, so we want to make sure that we fill that sanctuary with little ones. And we're going to just uh, shower them with the love of Christ and let them experience how exciting it is, how fun it is to follow Jesus and live for him. Um, today's installation service, so after the ser- service portion is done, uh, towards the very end of it, we will have um, the time to honor and install 12 new members into our fold. Yay. All right. All right, that's exciting. All right, Uh, before I uh, proceed on to the sermon portion of today's service, uh, in lieu of the installation Sunday, I invited a couple of the newly, uh, new members that to be installed. So I'm going to invite them up and we'll uh, conduct a short interview, getting to know them a little bit and getting to hear their story, how God has brought them and what God has done, what God is doing in our midst. So I'm going to, would you please help me welcome Stanley and Lillian Shin to the front. Stan and Lily, whatever it is that you did to the crowd before coming up here, I encourage you to do that again. Please teach us. You guys can face me, kind of. Um, wow, that was all hype. Good job, guys. Oh, Stan, don't give me any ideas. Okay, I'm ready to. I'm ready to concede the Pope at any time, brother. Notice how Lillian is not phased, un- totally unfazed by this. So, yeah, um, it's really an honor to be up here and to be the valedictorian of <laughs> of this uh, installment class. But hold on, be careful, because I told somebody else that she's the valedictorian. So don't don't mess up the order here. You're messing up the regular graduates. Uh, you're discouraging them right now. So stand. Graduated in a long time. <laughs> That's good. You have to watch out for this, guys. He's feeling way too comfortable already. So, Stan and Lillian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, so I'm Stanley. Let me finish the question at first. <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourselves, your age, where you're from, and, and yeah. Yeah, so I'm Stanley. I'm 41. Uh, my beautiful wife, Lillian. She's 40. Um, she looks a lot younger. I look a lot older, so I guess I'm winning and she's losing. <laughs> um, we're from Hacienda Heights. We have two boys, Bradley and Julian. They're eight and six, and we're expecting a third. So, um, yeah. So I've been happily married for 10 years. Um, she's been happily married for three. Um, we'll, we'll get to her about that, because you speak for yourself, oh, okay? <laughs> Lillian, tell us a little bit about, like, so... Mentioned, he, he said, you guys are happily married for 10 years. Oh. Tell us a little bit about Stan as a husband. Oh, well, we've known each other. For <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's going off the script here, yeah. Very Tell us, yeah. Uh, we've known each other since high school. Uh, we've been friends since, and then we started dating, um, like, in college years. So we've known each other for a long time, been married for, this will be our 11th anniversary this year. I'm going to go off the script here, totally unprepared. So we know what Stan is like here at church. He's very gregarious. He's fun. He, he loves to engage people. So what is he really like at home with you and the boys? To be honest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to be, be honest. We only want to be honest here on stage, yeah. Actually, um, he's the same all around. I mean, even like in front of my parents, you would think that he would kind of change to look better or say the right things. He, <laughs> he, he's, just, he's just always himself, which okay. I actually respect and admire because, mm. um, yeah, he's always been the same. Whoever he's with, he, he's himself. So That's good. Yeah. I'm consistent. <laughs> consistent. Does that make you laugh too? 
Not so much anymore. Can you be honest? Okay, good, good. He needs some new jokes. I mean, it's been 10 years, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we like to recycle, so. No, but he's funny. He's funny. You got to watch out for Stan because he's so quick. Uh, use the microphone, we're being told. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Um, Stan, uh, tell us how you ended up uh, at Rooftop Church, and tell us a little bit about your uh, spiritual journey or journey of faith in the past year so that we can have a little bit better idea how God has led you in the past, uh, perhaps even the 10 years of your marriage, and, and, and just kind of the premise of how you ended up here at this church. Yeah, so I always just went to church. Um, I was like the typical lukewarm Christian, not hot or cold. I was just showing up, not wanting to even be at church, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. So um, I found this church through you because you slid into my DMs one day. <laughs> um, I met you 23 years ago at a retreat, and I always admired your passion for, for God. So um, I don't know. I guess something was miraculous just happened where you just messaged me at the right time, and we're going through a lot with the loss of our my dad, and, um, and then we found you, and it's just not far away, so we just started coming out here. Mm. Lillian, you mind sharing a little bit about, we talked about this last Thursday, tell us a little bit about, because I know that you had visited at the, towards the end of 2021, mm. uh, around, around Thanksgiving in, in November, and what was that discerning process for you? What were you looking for? And I know that you have, uh, they're still young, but they were even younger two years ago, so what was that process like? What were you guys looking for in terms of landing on a, a, on a new community? So um, we lived in New Jersey um, the last seven, eight years, and then we moved back to California, and we were here for um, three years now, right? Yeah, uh, but we were living out in L.A., and we were going to our old church that we were attending before we moved to the East Coast, um, and that was in San Fernando Valley. And um, we moved to Hacienda Heights. We bought our first home there, and then it was during the middle of covid so we were still taking service virtually through Zoom, but then our heart started to desire that we wanted to physically go to a church and find a new church to plant our family. And so we were starting to, you know, um, look for a church, kind of church hop, and um, we had specific prayers on what kind of church we were looking for for our family. Um, and Stan mentioned that he did want to go to Rooftop, um, that he knew Pastor Scott, and. Um, so we came um, yeah. Thanksgiving last year, and uh, it was there wasn't that many people um, because it was COVID, I think. Um, and initially, I started wanting to find a church that was had a big children's ministry for my boys um, because I wanted to, you know them to learn and just get involved in that way. But when we came, the children's ministry was actually really small, so I was kind of having my doubts. Um, there were a lot of doubts. There, <laughs> <laughs> there was no. uh, Sammy, Abigail, and our kids. <laughs> you, you know what we were praying for? It's like, hey, I don't know who they are, but they better keep coming back because our CM is half of them were, were, were their kids. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little concerned in that sense. Uh, I wasn't sure, so I couldn't um, make sure, you know, I, I couldn't decide right away. But honestly, um, I really connected with your sermons. I really liked um, for our spiritual growth, I felt. And I think that's more important, actually, where we grow as parents to install that into our children. And um, that's when we started attending. We just keep wanting to, you know, check out the church. And we loved it. And we figured, you know, even the children's ministry is small. And later, Casey, you know, teacher came, and it just all certainly started to work out. Yeah, we're, um, we're very, we're very uh, specific about what we prayed for when mm. looking for a church. So we wanted a good children's ministry. We wanted a church that was not too big nor too small. Um, we wanted a muscular, passionate pastor. <laughs> um, and and it's everything. Keep God going, Stan. Keep going. <laughs> God answered all our, our prayers. And I remember service used to start at like 1.30 or yes. 1. 1. And we used to pray that we wanted a church that started like at 10 or 10.30. And one week you announced it, that it was changing, and we're like, this is weird. And so we just started showing up, and um, yeah, everything kind of just fell into place. Was there a moment where you kind of like the turning point, um, or like when you, okay, this is it. Um, I, I don't know if there even it was, but was there a turning point where you're like, okay, this is going to be our church? 
Yeah, I think when, I, um, when we joined Blocks, mm -hmm. that's when we kind of got intimate with our community and got to know that like, people are not as perfect as they may look. So, um, there, I'm, I, guys, I don't mean, I'm sweating right now because I don't know. <laughs> I don't mean to offend anyone when I say that, but um, everyone has their problems. It's very emotional. It's just we're being vulnerable and opening up to each other's lives. And mm. um, I think that's very relatable for everyone because at church, we're used to going to church acting like perfect people, but we're not. But this is a church where we're all vulnerable and we're all insecure and self-conscious about we're all the misfits really and we're all just coming together to to worship god that's good yeah <laughs> block people i'm gonna transition because i don't know what story stan's gonna tell say about you guys we might um, have to find another block <laughs> <laughs> so it's been so about it's been about a year and a half then because since when you first um joined us for Sunday service and, and slowly progressively joining for other ministry venues. Um, how has God changed you or how has God uh, transformed your life since uh, being part of this spiritual community? Uh, for me, I think we've just been more curious to God um, after losing our fathers recently. And we've just been kind of uh, trying to instill these things into our kids more because we keep thinking about our kids, like what, what happens when we die? So we're just trying to lay the foundation. Um, we rely heavily on Casey Nakaki um, to instill those <laughs> things for, for us. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's really like because of our kids and where we want to be role models for them. Mm -hmm. um, you want to say something? Um, the question was how we were transformed or? Yeah. Um, for me personally, um, I think even like joining blocks or even the fundamental foundations class or I actually would not have done it I think mm. um, it takes me a while so I would just kind of feel more comfortable coming to church on Sundays observing and then you know slowly getting involved but something did push me more um, I felt more comfortable and um, I honestly felt very welcomed and loved from rooftop um, in a short period of time and um, I also believe that God is working in Stan and me at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think that really helps where as a couple, like we've been married for a long time, we've been, we've known each other for a long time, but I don't think we've walked together in faith together at the same time. We've always had our own faith, um, but I feel God is really working in us together and has been really helping us. We keep each other more accountable and mm -hmm. I think we encourage each other um, in a sense where even the foundations class, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this for 10 weeks. And, you know, and he would encourage me and we would do it together. And it, I think that really helped. Um, and I think just God has been working in me um, for me to be more open and vulnerable and just um, letting people in to my life and to my space um, because that's something I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, so even coming up here today, I was like, oh, Pastor Scott Isn't she is doing great? Really she, she, she tends to shy away from um, the stage or even speaking, but she's so great at it. We don't, I don't understand, Lillian. We're, we're so blessed by you, and we're so encouraged. Sometimes I would, we want to hear you, not stand. <laughs> I agree, I agree. <laughs> hey, um, you know, quick shout out to your boys. They're not here. They're in the next door, but... Um, share a little bit about, as a mom, like, what, what, what have you noticed from them? What, what would they say about their church experience in the past year and a half? Um, so when we were attending uh, Faith Harvest in San Fernando Valley, it was um, a lot of our friends that we've known for a very long mm -hmm. time. And it's a smaller children's ministry as well. Um, so they felt really comfortable going there to see the group of friends that they've all, you know, known for a while. Um, so we thought it would be a little bit difficult for them to start coming to a new church and a lot of change, um, but they adapted pretty well, and I think Brad and Joanne are really enjoying it. They love coming. Um, they love the teachers, um, and um, yeah, I think it's been a good experience for them, and I ho I'm hoping that they do get more involved and want to, you know, sign up for whatever is available, and we try. Oh, they, you, would, you would want them to sign up and serve? Brad and Julian? Yeah, uh, I mean, eventually, I mean, that would be the goal, yeah. <laughs> In 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they're actually uh, very encouraging to us because a lot of times we don't want to wake up to go to church on Sundays. And then they'll wake us up. Bradley will come in and, Appa, you got to wake up. Stop being Snorlax. And <laughs> stop sleeping. Wake up. Go to church. We have to go to church. We're going to mm. be late. So those little, like, gestures, mm. I'm, like, I'm, like, ready to go. Mm. And it's really encouraging and positive to see that. Yeah, quick shout-out to Casey who's joining us. Uh, this is her... We don't know when she's going to join us for service, it's like two, three times a year, but we're so glad to have you. Um, and, and just, to, you know, towards the end of today's service, you guys are going to be officially installed as, as rooftop members. And I know you guys had already been attending for about a year and a half, but what are, what are you looking forward to, to be official members? And, and what, are, what are your prayers going to be in all the days and years to come? Yeah. What would you like to share with the congregation here? Why don't you answer this one? Um, I hope to continue to just uh, be more vulnerable, open up and connect with everyone here at Rooftop. Um, so I continue to pray for that for myself, to just be confident and to be honest. Um, and also for Rooftop, I pray that um, we continue all to just grow as a family, not just a church where we come on Sundays or you know, um, just catch up, but to do life together. And I think that's really important. I think that's where, you know, you, you prep all that, like blocks and things like that that you prepare. I think that does really, you know, unite us and that it's not just church, but it's a family, ultimate goal for the whole church. That's a good one. Stan, all I heard, as Lizzie and Shira, all I heard is like Thursday nights are open for, for us to come over and just hang out at your house. <laughs> Yeah, so Thursday night when we're doing the foundation classes every Thursday, it used to be thirsty Thursdays for me when I would hang out with my friends and do, do like night outs or whatever. But um, after committing to the foundations class, it kept me more conscious of God. It's not just a Sunday thing. And it was kind of forced. Like we didn't really want to do the foundations class, but we're so glad we did and we got through it. And it's just like a good reminder through the week, through the week because God is navigating through our lives. And we're always just conscious that he's next to us or he's there leading the way. So I think that was um, just a good reminder. Um, I, I, eventually, we're going to probably open up to presents on Tuesdays and other, pro we are, and um, other <laughs> things as well. Um, so yeah, I, I want to keep continuing to grow in that way. That's so encouraging, isn't it? Um, you know, when, when families or members, people land here, you know, it's no one really knows the engagement level. No one really knows the trajectory. But I, I think when I look at the Shin family, like they made very incremental. But I, in hindsight, those are very int intentional steps along the way, and their desires to participate and to contribute even more so than they have now. So uh, we look forward to seeing you more. We look forward to, you know, being at your house, making a mess, and hanging out until. We, uh, our welcomes worn out until 10.30, until I was hanging out until I fell asleep, you know. Um, so uh, we, we're so delighted to have you, and, and, and Rooftop Church is immensely blessed to, to have you, and we look forward to getting to know you. Rooftop Church, can we give them a round of applause again? So great. So great. Thank you. Lillian, I confirm again, you are meant to share and speak in front of people. We want more of you, less of Stan. <laughs> Just kidding. Stan, please don't beat me up after. Um, guys, today's a special day, really. It's a great reminder of the mission that we have um, as a church. And sometimes for, for those of us that have been uh, part of Rooftop Church for a while, we forget that. We forget that this is an exciting journey. We forget sometimes in, in the mundaneness of our week-to-week, day-to-day, we forget that what God, new things that God is doing in our midst. So I hope that you are encouraged today. I hope that you are, again, reaffirmed of the mission and the call that we do have, have one body, one church. Um, today I want to speak a little bit just shortly about uh, one of the core values of our six um, um, core values that we have. And I think one of the most distinct marks of our church, and happens to be uh, intimate community. So uh, I want us to be brought back to uh, our church's vision, our church's mission, in the way that God is continuing to impact us, and God is continuing to challenge us, challenge us in the way that we are to grow 
and become and bear this mark of being really intimate with one another. So I'm going to just briefly share a little bit, uh, and we will move forth with the rest of the planned service that we have. So meet me in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15, and we will read from verses 12 through 17. Wait, did I share any of the announcements today? I did. Okay, good. Thanks for the reminder, guys. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. And this is the reading of God's word. Let's read one verse at a time. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. But, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Amen. Would you quickly bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we thank you for calling all of us into your house. God, we worship you in complete freedom. God, we pour out, pour out our hearts, God, in hopes that you would come and minister to us. God, we come not as we should be. God, we come, some of us broken, some of us tired, and weary, God, even for some of us on the verge of just not knowing what to do with our faith lives. God, today, remind us of the love and grace of your son, Jesus. Would you strengthen us? God, in the brief time that we share this morning, God, we, we believe in you, God. God, do whatever in us so that in turn we may do everything through you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. You and I were made for friendship with God. Brothers and sisters, you and I were called by God to be friends with him. In the way that we are called to know and experience him, we are to know him and experience him as a friend, not just an acquaintance, not just as a person of reverence, not just as a teacher or mentor, not just someone in casual relationship, but God calls us to be in a relationship with him as intimate friends. Take a moment right now to see if this is fathomable in your own minds. Do you right now really see Jesus as your friend? Do you really use the word friendship when you describe the relationship that you have with your heavenly Father. How comfortable among you guys, how comfortable are you calling Jesus your friend? Before we do that, I know that we're, we have to be cautious. Well, Jesus is my master. He's God. He's not. Friend, I don't know. Think about all the attributes that you can think about with your closest friends. Think about your relationship with your best friends, your boys, or your, your, what, your, your girlfriends, your squad, your posse, your homies. Think about all the attributes that you love and appreciate that you have with your closest friends. Some of you guys are just getting happy at the thought of goofing off. I could be real. I could be funny. I could be silly. We could be just so raw together. Be real. Nothing is hidden. Today I want to remind you that Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, calls us to be his friends. Jonathan Edwards uh, one of the greatest minister and theologian, arguably the greatest 
uh, one of the most important figures in the 18th century for all of Christianity, he said this, let it be our first love to enter into an everlasting friendship with Christ that never shall be broken. Let me say that again. Let it be our first love to enter into an everlasting friendship with Christ that never shall be broken. When you consider your relationship with Jesus Christ, are you reminded of the relationship that you would feel from an intimate friend? Again, the call for you and me is to be able to know Jesus experience Jesus, and enjoy Jesus as our close friend. Let me give you a little bit of backdrop of the context of the verses that we have read. Uh, the passage that we read in John chapter 15, this comes towards the very end of Jesus' ministry. In fact, this is just one day prior to his arrest. Um, so he had spent... Uh, when, when Jesus came to us, he spent the first 30 years being, being a good son, being a good helper, and taking on the family trade, being a carpenter. And at the age of 30, God will finally call him out of his home and family duties, and then God would release Jesus into the public ministry. What took place? God, in, in his sovereign provision, he sends him to a little bit of a boot camp. He says, you know what? Come before you are released into ministry, go to the wilderness, fast for 40 days, and be groomed in that. Resist all the main temptations that you may face as a person in all the years of your ministry. And Jesus finally releases him. Uh, Jesus is finally released into his public ministry at the age of 30. And the first thing that God allowed Jesus to do is go out and what? Recruit. His, his posse or his gang, his squad. And this was really uncustomary for the Jews back then. Never in that time would a rabbi go out and recruit people to follow them. The process of a student or pupil to rabbi relationship was precisely the opposite of that. Students, upon hearing of their reputation and fame, or whatever that we're known for, and they say, I want to become like that rabbi. I want to learn under that teacher. Then the students would go, and the disciples already gather and say, and go to the teacher. But what did Jesus do? In fact, he went out to the general public, and he began to handpick the outcast, the marginalized, and the lowly fishermen, the tax collectors, or the loners, and the Essenes, and, and, and all of the, and, and one of them was a zealot, right? Was, that was a particular sect of the Jewish community. They were kind of known as the rebels. They were, they were scheming against the revolt against the governing authorities. So Jesus assembled his group or his gang, and they rolled together for three long years. During that time, they ate together, they slept together, they ministered together, they traveled together. They probably racked up a lot of miles on their feet because they had to walk everywhere. And towards the end of that time, think about the transformation. Think about uh, the, the life that these 12 disciples had experienced leading up to that moment. They saw with their own eyes miracles being performed. They heard with their own ears the amazing, the supernatural teachings of their teacher, Rabbi Jesus. And Jesus finally gathers them one last time on the night before his death to prepare them for the next day and beyond. In the midst of this uh, sacred evening, he says... Peter, John, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, Thomas, Judas, I no longer call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. 
For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, I'm not sure the context of the disciples relating to Jesus. I'm not sure if they felt all that comfortable. We're not really led into the kind of relationship which the disciples thought that they had with Jesus. Jesus makes no mistakes, though. He doesn't want to leave it to any chance. In case the disciples felt otherwise, he says, friends, friends, I want you to know that you're not just my servants. You're not here just serving my purpose. You're not just here. You're not just minions. Can we use that word? You're not just here to do my work. You're not just here on the premise of you do whatever I tell you to do. We're not here just as you. Your job is to please me. Hello? Does that sound like us sometimes? Does that sound like the relationship that we perceive that we have with God? That we are here put on earth just to do the right thing, just to do what God conveys us that we should do? Jesus says, you're not just my slaves. You're not just my servants. But today, I let you know that you are my friend. And he's letting him know, why do I call you friends? Because if you are not my friend, I'm not completely transparent with you. And he's, I want you to catch something here. He's saying, Father and I are one. If you read through the Gospel of John, there's a theme already. The intimacy between God the Father and God the Son is incredible. He goes all the way back to the time of creation in John chapter 17. He says, God, now the glory that you and I shared prior to creation, now glorify me in that. I mean, John is so specific in talking about his intimate relationship with God the Father. Here is Jesus now And guys, you're not just strangers. You're not my students. You're not just my disciples. You're not just my servants. He's saying the intimacy that I share with the Father, I'm letting you in on that as well. Because if I was not your friend, I had no business revealing to you the purposes and the reasons why God the Father has set me here on earth. And Jesus is saying, come on, we're brothers, we're homies, we're friends. He even says in verse 13, greater than love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's a verse that's, that ought to pressure you. When I first became Christian, in the earlier years, I, I used to, Literally, like, I would literally, on my way to drive, especially on my road to church, I'm like, if there's a random stranger, like, I'm, I'm going to die for that person. I literally had that mentality where someone that I'm in a relationship, I would create these hypothetical scenarios. If a friend is in danger, I'm going to be there. I'm going to die for him. None of you guys think, I, I just, I'm one of those guys that just take literally, like, so extreme, right? I would be stressed out. But then again, yes, I get to. Because Jesus did that for me. None of you guys think of that? Maybe, I kid you not, like I, some of you guys, I'm actually, all of you guys, I'm ready to do that. We got a DTR, something, I'm not getting the same feedback that I'm looking for here. Jesus says, no greater love, no, no greater than love than, than, than one who would lay down his life for his friends. You know what Jesus was saying? And and two verses after, he says, then you are my friend. Jesus was basically foreshadowing what friendship would look like, and he basically gave him a sneak preview of what he would eventually do. He talks about friendships. He tells all of his disciples that you guys guys are now friends. And he says, you know what? A true friend will lay down his life. And they would be reminded in just a day later when Jesus, their rabbi, is arrested and beaten, tormented. And they would see Jesus, same Jesus hanging on the cross. And immediately then thinking about, oh my gosh, Jesus said, he is our friend. That there is no greater love than this. 
that we would be willing to lay down our own life. Because Jesus Christ himself had done that for us. And he says, all of these things I share, and he says, so that you will love one another. All of these things, my, the, the messianic secret, my hidden mission of the reason why I came to this earth, which is to die for you. I'm sharing all of these things. I have revealed to you the ways of the Father. I have revealed to you all the things that God has spoken to me. I have, held not, I have not held back. And I'm doing these things because now the command for you is to love one another. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, don't just love one another. He's saying, love one another as I have loved you. Friends, this, we have to understand this because that is the bar that Jesus had created upon leaving his earthly life, upon leaving the most important relationships of his short life here on earth. He says, now, this is the standard which I am calling you for. Love one another as I have loved you. That one word, as, that's a, that, that's a preposition, right? I'm not an English. Is that a, that's a preposition. That short word right there means everything. Meaning the way that Jesus connected with his people, he's saying, now that is a standard of which I'm calling you for. We are to approach one another in this way. You can casually survey in this room. Some of you guys have dear friends in this church. Some of you guys have created lifelong friends in this spiritual community. In the brief time that you have been a member at Rooftop Church, you have cultivated a friendship that is authentic, that is real and genuine. And I have no doubt about that. Even still, I want to remind all of us the way that you and I are called to connect under the example of Jesus himself, that we are to love one another in an intimate way that Jesus has loved us. Do you? Can you lay down your life for this guy? Yeah, laughter is not what I'm looking for here. <laughs> Would you give up all that you have to care for me and love for me? Don't look away, brother. <laughs> Would I concede my comfort, my priorities in attending to your hurt, your needs? Would I care enough to pause in all the things that I'm responsible for in my life just so that I could come and minister to you. Just so that you can stand with me in my current place of struggle and suffering. Intimate community. It's one of the core values that we have. And as long as our church existed, this had always been a top priority for our church community. However small, we're still small. Maybe because we were small from the very beginning, we always prioritize, guys, we may not get a lot of things right, but let us get this portion right in the way we love, in the way we get to know one another, let's be authentic. Let's shed the layers of superficiality. Let's shed the layers of fakeness and try to impress and try to show up and one up on another, one another. But let's be genuine. Let's be real. Let's be humble. Let's be sacrificial in the way that we stand for one another. And on this installation Sunday, 
I want all of us to be reminded. And for those of you guys that uh, in kind of the, we have the original members, you know, back then, you know, in 2015, when we had first had this trial uh, membership class, uh, that was mandatory. You guys had the discerning process. You guys had, you know, you guys had time to pray. You know, the way we did it, you know, October of 2015, say, hey, if you're here, you have to take this class. Mandatory. And people were shocked. What? Mandatory? But we were so green and so young, like, okay. They all signed up. I think at that time, 32 people. We met every single Wednesday. People drove from all over the place. South Orange County, Buena Park, downtown. And the people gathered from everywhere. We didn't know what hit, what hit us. And then I've never, I've never had a membership class. I never ran. Only thing I remember was that my wife warned me, Scott, whatever you do, don't do something that you did before. <laughs> no scarier words for pastors because we always love referencing, what did we do? What, what worked out for us really well? Hey, let's do that again. She said, don't do that. And I spent, I don't know, two, three months just coming up with this 10-week curriculum. And then it's like, you know, that something did not feel right. And I just felt like, ah, just really, it's not enough for people to drive all, the, all over. And I just thought, God just plays my door. Oh, share your life story. Just get real. Again, I had never done this before in any years of my ministry. So I went up the week first and I, I taught on, you know, a little bit. And I said, well, here's my life story. I don't think they were ready for that. <laughs> they just showed up because Scott said, show up. And I spent the next 25 minutes, 30 minutes sharing my life story with a little poster board that I had. And I said, well, I shared my story from every week from my, all of you guys. You have to share your life stories too. Like, what? I didn't sign up for that. Remember, you guys are now members. If you don't do this, you guys are not members of Rooftop Church. So everyone went home, uh, prepared their posters. So... Right now, we have the flexibility. We go like two, three. We're, we're nice paced, right? Think about fitting 30 people in eight weeks. <laughs> and it was so amazing. It had to be a God thing. Because as soon as I share my story, as soon as the next person, I think it was my wife and another person, and people just began to open up, like we couldn't stop it. And I had no idea. Some of these people that had shared their stories, I had known them for years. And they would begin to share that. And I had no idea that they was, that's what they were going through. And then I would spend the uh, subsequent months realizing, okay, it's great that we share stories. But now what do we do? And that radically changed the way that we connected with one another. That radically changed the way that we began to relate with one another. And we were... Uh, uh, so intentional in a way that maybe we don't know how to minister to one another just yet. We don't even know how to pray for each other yet. But you know what we can do? We can begin to care. If we don't even know how to care for each other, we can learn to begin to show up. Intimate community. When I think about the hallmark of this church, this is certainly one of the very few things I believe it marks us distinctively. It's this paradigm, it's this understanding that every one of us has a story. First is to realize that. And the next piece is that to realize that your story absolutely matters. Because God has called you. The next component is that your story matters in the fabric of the story of, of Rooftop Church and, and the larger story. And now, the story of Rooftop Church is incomplete. It's not as beautiful unless your story is weaved into this. It's this beautiful tapestry. So I, besides the 12 new members that are being installed today, I want every single old member, three OG members are here, understand that God is continuing to write this story. God is continuing to mold us as one intimate community. And it is beautiful. Sometimes it's messy as heck. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes we say, oh, I don't, oh, I'm not ready for this. But sometimes stories come out unintentionally, totally unprompted. This happened this past Thursday at Stan's house. Oh, 
out of nowhere, because Stan's, Stan's constantly shooting, asking questions. They came out. I'm like, you know what? And in my head, oh, my gosh. I guess now I'm sharing this portion of my life. Sometimes it comes not ready. But I love it. And I'm not sure about you guys, but I would not have church any other way. Because I go back to what is written in John chapter 15. When Jesus says, I call you not as slaves. I call you not as one master would to a servant. But I call you now as a friend. As your pastor, I don't know what your perception of me is. I don't. I don't think that the distance or the chasm is still as big when you guys, the congregation, think of pastors. If there is a pedestal, the pedestal is like, you know, six inches high. A little bit above, like, it's, it's like a heel, right? I don't see myself as that. I'm just one of the guys. I, I just want to be one of us doing life together, communing, sharing, learning, falling together. All I'm saying is that I'm not perfect. I'm not even that strong all that much. But I'm committed to the journey in the same way that Christ demonstrated for the disciples. On the way to the cross, he says, do to the best of your ability. Love and serve one another in the manner that I've shown you the past three years. That's all I could do. And I'm reminded of every single one of you. I don't have many friends. In fact, all of you guys are majority of my friends. And I think about you guys quite often. You guys occupy my, my mind and my heart a lot. And I remind us today, as we continue to strive to be this intimate community, be reminded of the call and the standard which God is elevating you to. That we should be so preoccupied with one another. We should be able to encourage. That means we also are able to challenge at times. We should be able to say, hey, come on, let's go. We journey together. As I close this sermon, I want to just share one picture with you. This photograph was taken all the way back in May of 2012. It was taken by a friend who, lived, who at that time lived 3,000 miles away all the way in Boston. He was doing a graduate program, and, and, and I hadn't spoken to him in months. And, you know, we, we had Facebook. That was the extent of our connection. All of a sudden, I see a Facebook post. Hey, Scott, thinking of you. Some of you guys can't see. You have to really look into it. If you have the eyes of faith, God right now, open the eyes of heart, faith, then you would see it. That photograph is not doctored. It's not Photoshop. No, it's not a thumb. <laughs> that's, that's a real head of a real man. And a random night, I get this Facebook notification from a friend that I had not seen in, in many months. We had a good laugh about it. But if my memory serves right, I slept that night feeling really strangely warm and fuzzy all inside. If you think about it, I have no business being on a mine of a guy who's three, 4,000 miles away from me on a random bus or metro ride home, that this man or this, that figure, I, I assure you that he did not move up. That's all he saw. Just a small glimpse, and that was enough. And he was remembering me. <laughs> Maybe I'm overblowing this. It was just a passing thought. But you know what that, you know what that did for me? It, it made me incredibly special. It made me feel so incredibly special. I'm thought of. I'm special. He could, to be honest, he could have thought about all the other eight bald men that he knows in his life. But I stood out like the top thumb. 
And even many years later, I mean, who would have thought that we would be in the same church? That he still sends me random text messages, usually over food. Hey, this is what I'm eating. And then last week I sent him a text, uh, a photo of a, a swimsuit because it was vacationing in somewhere nice in Hawaii. I'm just thinking about you. How many guys randomly think about the people in this room? How many guys randomly think about the person sitting in front of you, next to you, behind you? I'm not saying like be stalkerish and like, hey, what are you doing? I'm thinking about you. I'm watching you. <laughs> don't, don't do that. You know, and DMing every single post. Ooh. But, but, I, but I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm talking about what if we were able to connect in the way that we stand for each other. We minister to one another. You know, last Thursday night dinner happened because, you know, Stan and Lillian, you know, upon finishing the, the, the 10-week course, they messaged me saying, hey, you know, Pastor Scott, we just want to say thank you for, for you know, like, you know, when we're running this, right, and, and we're, we're mostly we're doing on Zoom too, like, we have no idea what kind of impact we're making. We have no idea what's really sticking during those teaching times and even the, the in-person sharing times. But they just said, you know what, we're just thinking about you. We're just so thankful. Would you come over, just have dinner? Yeah, I'm not shy when we get invited. Like, in fact, we're waiting. So, like, all three of us are David, Esther, and I. There's no, like, there's no, like, false humility, like, Asian. Like, oh, no, it's okay. It's too much work. So, okay, fine. We're ready to go. <laughs> Thursday night, driving through traffic from K-Town. I mean, we don't care. We show up. And I knew when the clock hit 8.30 and 9 o'clock, I said, okay, we better get ready. And I knew when 10 o'clock, okay, we just messed up already. We've been here for four hours. It's forget, forget it. But I loved every single minute that we had spent together, sharing over a meal, laughing, sharing uh, stories, and, and sharing just, just being so real and, and, and planning and talking about, like, hey, we should have church meetings more often here. I'm encouraging Stan, host more. Lillian, you're not a shy person. You're, Lillian, you're great. So when are we coming over next? Let's be reminded on this installation Sunday, you and I are called to build this intimate community. Amen. Some of you guys being installed as new members today, get ready. Get ready for the messiness of communal life. Be ready to open up your home. Be ready to go over people's homes. Come out of your hiding. Come out of your monastery and your little uh, uh, convent that you love being by yourself in. Come out of your hiding. Engage, interact, and minister to one another. And be reminded of the call of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, now love one another as I have loved you. Build this community. Amen? Amen? Are you ready, Stan? Anytime. I'm going to leave you with one last quote as I invite the praise team to come on up. This is a said, and this was shared by now. I mean, so sad that the late um, uh, Tim Keller. Uh, what a spiritual giant that we have lost uh, about two weeks ago. And this is what he said in one of my favorite books, Meaning of Marriage. This is what he says. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self 
righteousness and fortifies us for any difficult difficulty life can throw at us. He gives us this great challenge and reminder that the goal in doing life with God is to be fully known and to be fully loved. In most contexts of our relationship is one or the other because of the incredible challenge of being fully known in all of our shameful things, all of our mess, immaturity, imperfections. And we fear that if I'm truly known in the way that I am, I'm not sure that I will be loved. And if we fear, feel the full affirmation of the love, we question, is it because I'm not fully known? The gospel of Jesus Christ says, friend, you are intimately known. There's not a part about you that is hidden from me. All of your weird, quirky ways, crazy ways, unreasonable, Jesus says, there is no hiddenness. You are fully beloved by me. Church, now that is a standard which you and I are striving for. This is what year eight, to all the years ahead, every new person, every visitor that will enter into this spiritual community shall and will experience that kind of love. And now you are now the conduits of such. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord. God, now lead us, charge us to be the builders of such community. Let us bear the mark of your intimate love for us. And may we treat and minister to one another the same way. We thank you, Lord. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. We are going to have a time of offering right now as part of our worship. You know, I was um, reminded by uh, our finance team this week that, you know, every single week for the past, I think, at least three years that I've been promoting Give online, and, and, and he encouraged me to just kind of share with you guys a different way to give, is that instead of going to the, the online platform through Aplos uh, website, you could simply give via Zelle or write checks like old school style using the envelope in the, in the prepare. That way we retain all of your uh, heartfelt donations and offerings. Uh, if we go through the website, Aplos, um, I think we concede about 3 4%, which is quite a bit. Uh, it, it adds up quite a lot. So, uh, again, uh, it's one way. I, I simply I made the switch this past week, and I don't know why I, I didn't do that years prior. So that's another way for you to consider. Uh, you can write a check, and, and you can um, just go on Zelle. Not just anybody. Finance at rooftopchurch.com. Right? Finance at rooftopchurch.com via... Zell. All right. Also, today is the first Sunday of June, which means that it's time for communion. This is another reminder for us that Jesus says, you are now part in all the days that you are living, that I am invited to be joined together with you in your life. So for that reason, we take these elements, a little wafer and the juice, a little wafer that represents the body of Christ, which is broken for us so that we may be whole. The precious blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross the moment he shed his blood, that signaled the end of his life. The moment Jesus shed his precious blood, that signaled the beginning of our new life for you and me. So we take it, we 
receive it with much gladness today. So allow me to pray over these elements, and I'm going to invite you in just a moment to join together in partaking in these elements. God, we thank you for the precious blood you shed on the cross. And God, the body that was beaten, tormented, flogged, God, you endure the pain so that we may have access to our Father in heaven. And God, we are united as one in your presence today. We thank you, Lord, again for what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and this is the body of Christ broken for you and me. Now let us partake in the Lord's Supper.